Drop your cocks and grab your socks, folks. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Kenneth and James Ramtaram reporting live for duty on this magnificent September 30th in the year of our Lord, 2020. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. What's up? How you doing, folks? If you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. This is a show where I bitch, whine, squawk, cabelliac, and kibitz about myself in order to relate to y'all self. Y'all the dear listener. Y'all the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs forever. Yes. I also get into current events, entertainment, you know, the times of our times. I'm available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, my own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. You can email the show, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying the show thus far, please, folks, help my black ass out, for crying out loud. Share me with a friend. Yes. And as always, to begin with, if you are new to the show, I am an actor extraordinaire. 19 years of service, diploma in theater arts. That's been to the bone, ladies and gentlemen, and damn proud of it. It's hot. That's a hot one. It's a hot one, boy. Boy. Yeah. It's fitting up a storm. I've been thinking recently about attention span. We all have various lengths of attention spans and how that factors in to an ego. You know, our sense of self our sense of self-importance, entitlement, our ego, and its relationship with our attention span. And why that's so important across industry, whatever you do. Um, It's important because, at least for myself, if I get swept up in my own ego, I might lose sight of what I'm doing and why I do it. Case in point, I was listening to an interview, a podcast recently. I love podcasts and I consider myself pretty open-minded to hearing about other people, their experiences, their success, their failures, their overall origin story, the making of a person. I can celebrate that. I can be a fan as much as any podcast enthusiast, you know? J.R. the P, Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, isn't the first fucking podcast to set foot on the earth, you know? You know? There were others that came before. Duh. (laughs) Even though I do have a whopping 22 followers, like, share, subscribe, and uh, follow... Click that fucking like button. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm like any podcast enthusiast. I have my favorites as well. So I was listening to this podcast, and the interviewer was interviewing this entertainer. Now, I had heard of this entertainer before. 
wasn't so hot on hearing their story, wasn't really that interested. But I know, as I am a fan of that show and that interviewer, as a creative person, as an actor, it's good to hear other stories, other points of view, and try to find that parallel to apply to my own work as Jonathan Ramcharan of Jonathan Ramcharan the Podcast. So I was like, mm, well, I'm not so hot on hearing this person, but I don't know, they are well-known and perhaps I can learn something. Perhaps this can be entertaining. So I'm listening to the podcast and as the person gets squawking and bellyaching and talking, you know, the interviewer um, makes a statement, makes a preferential opinionated statement to the idea of or to the effect of well, you know what? I don't personally, I personally, I, <clears throat> pardon me, folks. The interviewer said, I personally don't quite like this certain genre. To which the guest, this person that I'm not so hot on, replied, Oh, well. After this interview, you should go check out this and blah, 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 and this and that. And oh, well, if you don't agree with my point of view, then you have to go do some homework. And I'm listening to this and I'm like, wow, here you got a person mega successful and completely out of touch with basic human communication. Nobody's interested in what other people want. People are interested in and what they want. Duh! What are you interested in? What you want or what I want? <laughs> you know, unfortunately, we live in a cynical world motivated by self-interest, and there's really nothing wrong with that. It's about balancing our needs and our wants in a society of people struggling to live life as we do. Right? Working together. But hearing that person say that, well, well, if, if you don't agree with my point of view, then you have to go check this out. And you have to go do this homework on this and that. I'm just like, wow, you're completely uh, devoid of basic human communication. Like, how arrogant. You know what I mean? Like, in my opinion... A more interesting and humble approach to a differing viewpoint would be to be like, oh, okay, wow. I, okay, so you, you're not quite into what I'm into. Okay, well, how, why is that? Okay, well, oh, so that's why you don't... Okay, I get it. So you're not really into this for that reason. Well, maybe try checking this out, perhaps, or whatever. But to just jump into condescension mode, oh, well, then you have to go do this and that and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what am I listening to? Am I listening to a child? <laughs> I'm listening to a child. I'm listening to a child. <clears throat> My voice cracks twice as I try to say that. I'm listening to a child. <clears throat> I'm listening to a child. I'm listening to a child. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, a real turnoff when you hear somebody who is successful 
lack humility and basic communication because it's like, what a joy it is to listen to a successful, insightful person. You can learn something. But when somebody's just swept up in their own arrogance and, yes, you're right, I am the greatest thing since sliced bread. Fawn over me. You know, be my little sycophant. You know what I mean? It's just like, hmm, right? Um, and where that fits in with attention span and, you know, the creative process is like, I start to wonder, in my judgment of their arrogance, am I not being hypocritical? You know? Am I leaping to a conclusion? You know? Oh, this person's arrogant. You know? I don't like your arrogance, so I'm going to repel it with my own arrogance. You're arrogant. Well, isn't it arrogant to just prejudge a person on their particular method of communication? You know, it's kind of cyclical. It's kind of roundabout. But, you know, and where that is very important as a performer, as an actor, is it can tend to make you prejudice, you know? Like, for example, um, I am an actor. It's good to stay current in what's popular, to watch certain films of notoriety, to watch, you know, the up-and-coming people in the industry, to be aware of the general uh, flow of the times, the atmosphere of the times, you know, like what's popping in the film industry. Sometimes I get a little prejudice. You know, I, I, I draw these conclusions. Oh, I don't like that. Or, oh, that's arrogant. Or, oh, that's not for me. And, you know, jumping to these conclusions, which can be kind of short-sighted and hypocritical. You know what I mean? It's like, they're arrogant. So, so what am I? <laughs> you know, the Dalai Lama? Mahatma Gandhi? You know? An eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. You know? So that's very important to consider. You know what I mean? And I find great strength and inspiration from a successful person speaking with humility and insight. I can draw upon that and be like, oh, well, if they did it that way, then perhaps I can do it. Or perhaps there's something I can learn there to pass on to other people to make the world a better place. You know what I mean? That's how I got into podcasting. J.R. the P. Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast, that is. You know, I saw other podcasters. I listened to their stories. I learned from them. And then I kind of got into it myself, right? But when you have a person who's just like, you know, I'm going to bathe in the glory and bask in the sycophantic fanboy, fangirl mentality. I'm on cloud nine. I'm God's gift. If you don't see things my way, then you are beneath me as an artist. You know, it's fucking sickening. <laughs> Downright sickening. Anyway, um, you know... Attention span and ego. It's something that 
I, as a performer, as an actor, definitely have to keep a watchful eye on, you know, because otherwise, you know, why, why do I do the things I do and what do I really stand for? Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Janet Ramcharan, actor extraordinaire. Yeah. Similarly, in conjunction, I am an a stand-up comedian extraordinaire, 11 plus years of service. Quick sip of water, folks. Don't mind me. Get the blood flowing. You know, during this time of pandemic quarantine, it was nice for a minute, right? It was nice to have a little break and reassess, but now it's just like, ugh, you know? I yearn for my old way of life, you know? I yearn for the stage. I yearn to be up there cracking jokes, chuckles, guffaws, gags, you know, razzmatazzing into the early hours of the morning, you know? I miss the comedy life. I like the nightlife, baby. I love the nightlife, baby. She said, I love the nightlife, baby. What is that, the cars? You know, stand-up comic, man. I love the nightlife, baby. And fucking cooped up like a fucking grounded teenager or something. I don't know, been locked up in my apartment, you know, and getting on stage as a, as a comedian is how you kind of work your material, you shape, you mold your craft, you know, mine for that diamond. Like, for example, um, I got this new bit that's kind of, I don't know if it's a bit, I don't know what it is, but The benefit of like getting on stage regularly is you can just try out ideas and build your material. Like for example, the other day, right? I venture out of quarantine, you know? It was a fucking gamble. I rolled the dice, I'm gonna go to Walmart. So, you know, I took, you know, I fucking played with my life, Russian roulette, I went to Walmart. And you know, I'm shopping around and you know, We're in the fall season, you know. We're moving into fall, you know, end of September. It's getting a little chilly. So I figured, you know, it would be nice to get some, you know, men's pajamas, you know. I've been wearing these ragtag, you know, just outdated, ragged fucking men's pajamas. You know, these fucking rags, basically. You know how men are. We never throw anything out. (laughs) Wear it down to the nub, right? Wear it down to the fucking last thread, right? So I'm sick of wearing these fucking rags, you know? And plus I work from home now. Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast that is. You know, you never know what I'm going to wear, right? You know, so I'm like, hmm, I'm working from home a lot. It'd be nice to get some comfy PJs, you know? Some pajamas, men's pajamas. So I go into the pajama department at Walmart, you know? Got my mask on. And all of a sudden, I hear this. Female nattering. Now, ladies, 
I don't want to shy away any of my female listeners. I, I don't want to shy away any of my listeners. I need every single one of you, every 20, every last 22 of you, you know, I need any fucking listener I can get. So like, I ain't trying to do no female bashing here. And, uh, you know, the contrary, the converse is true. The uh, contrary is true, right? Like mansplaining. Good Lord manhandling, man mumbo jumbo, you know, I come from a laboring background, I come from a laboring background, I've worked on construction sites, I've had a lot of, you know, male talk and man talk, hey there buddy, how's it going, no, do it this way, do it that way, I'm a man, I know what I'm talking about, like, male mumbo jumbo, it's fucking unpalatable, you know, it's hard to stomach when some man gets fucking babbling at you. Hey there, buddy. I know what I'm talking about. I'm going to mansplain you to death. Like, makes you stick to your stomach, right? But conversely, the opposite is also true. Female nattering. Oh my God. You know, like I said, I'm in the men's, I'm in the men's department. I'm shopping for men's pajamas for crying out loud. All of a sudden I hear, oh my God. I look and like walking straight toward me, walking straight towards me are like these two scantily clad 16 year olds, you know, the little titties hanging out, you know, the little tummies hanging out. It's like they're dressed like hookers. They're nattering away. Oh my God. It's like the worst sound, like female nattering. When women get into like full on natter mode, my goodness, it's like someone stuck a fucking chicken in a knapsack. It's like, oh my God. So they're walking up on me in a full-blown natter. And I'm like, holy shit. So like, I look down and I'm like, I am in the men's department, aren't I? I'm in the men's department. Sure as shit. Oh my God. Oh my God. I love men's pajamas. I just love men's pajamas. They're so much more comfortable. And they're just walking up on me in a full-blown natter. Men's pajamas, men's pajamas. It's fucking hens, right? Hen pecking me to death. So, you know, I hung my head in shame and slunk off to the fucking... Slunk off to a different department, but it's like for crying out loud. You know? It's like you're not even free to shop in the fucking men's department anymore. What's with women wearing men's clothes? Isn't it, not, isn't it bad enough? That you want to take my job, you want to take my manhood, you want to take my balls, now you want to take my fucking pajamas? <laughs> Crying out loud. It was like, there was only a few pajamas left too, right? There was like two or three of these particular pajamas. Like, I really liked these. It was like a white plaid, plaid, black and white checkered plaid men's pajama pants, right? I'm looking at that. And these fucking hens come picking through the leftover pajamas. You know, they're taking everything. And it's, you know, it's a strange dichotomy. You know, it's like what it really comes down to is just the unsightly ego of somebody who wants to just babble indefinitely in public. You know, whether it be a man mansplaining, hey there, buddy, this is how you swing a hammer. Or whether it be some fucking nattering hens in the men's department. I love men's clothing. I love men's clothing. You know, 
it's like that overinflated ego. It's like, how do you just walk up on somebody that you don't even know? Like, I'm a complete stranger. They just walk up on me in a full-blown natter. My ears were just ringing. I'm like, get me out of here. And I just hightailed it out of there. <laughs> Anyways, as you can see, as a stand-up comedian, there's something there, you know? And that's what I would generally take to a stage, you know? I would take that bit, that idea, you know, I might edit it down a bit, you know, because of time. I might try to punch it up a bit, have a few more punch lines in there, a few more tags, a few more, you know... A, a little bit more wordplay, something, right? But that's like a blueprint, an outline, you know, a sketch, right? That's like a, you know, a little bit and an idea. And that's what I'm missing, folks. <sighs> breaks your heart, you know? It just breaks your heart, you know? All these talented comedians, female comics, male comics, transgendered comics, you know? <sighs> Pretty soon fucking pets will probably be fighting for their rights to... Dogs doing stand-up comedy. Dog rights and comedy. You know, pretty soon dogs will be petitioning for their spot in the stand-up comedy world. But you got all these comics, you know, sitting around twiddling their thumbs. It just breaks your heart. So, you know, that's what I'm yearning for. Just to get back on stage and work some ideas out and keep the, the art form going. But, I mean, we're rounding that corner. We're rounding that corner. We're getting closer to normalcy, and um, I'm just hanging in there. And I think that's relatable across industry. We just got to hang in there, you know? Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Janet Ramcharan, stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Quick sip of water, folks. Don't mind me. Drop my coaster. Ah, the coast is clear. There's my coaster. Yes, world news. There was a presidential election debate, 2020, last night. The first, Donald Trump, President Trump, okay, fake news, Chinese flu, the Chinese plague, you know, what you want to do is drink a lot of bleach, get plenty of sunlight, you're going to be fine, okay? You're going to be fine. Witch hunt. President Donald Trump uh, versus Democratic leader Joe Biden. What you want to do is get out there and vote. What you want to do is get out there and vote. Okay? It's about you, the Canadian, the American person, the American people. It's about you. What you want to do is get out there and vote. Fucking Joe Biden. That guy is twitchy as fuck, man. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't <laughs> say what you want. He is one twitchy motherfucker, man. <laughs> Joe Biden. <laughs> anyway, these two dummies were at it. <laughs> Yo, man, it's, 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 <sighs> they're obviously both very smart men in a worldly sense. Donald Trump, the businessman. Joe Biden, the lifelong politician, and I believe a lawyer at some point. 
So it's like, they're obviously intelligent men, but last night was a complete debacle. They were just squawking and henpecking and blah, 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 talking over each other. The fucking moderator, uh, he, <laughs> he was trying to chime in as much as he could to try to referee the damn thing. Some of the con, some of the commentators later went on to say, um, you know, wow, that was one of the most unintelligible debates I've seen in recent years, in any year rather. I'm glad my children aren't old enough to witness this. Like somebody actually made a comment like that. I'm glad my children aren't old enough to witness this. What a debacle. Like they basically just babbled over each other and it's like, wow, these are people for, these are people vying for the top spot of command in the United States of America. Arguably the most powerful nation in the world. <laughs> Run by these two spastic, twitchy, babbling at each other. Trump. <laughs> okay. First of all, Joe, don't talk to me about smart. Don't ever bring up the word smart in a sentence when you're discussing anything with me, Joe Biden. Okay? Okay? And about your son, how did he how did he get paid $3.5 million from Ukraine? From the mayor of Ukraine? That doesn't make any sense. Mr. President! Mr. President, will you please stick to the subject at hand? Well, no, that's actually, actually no, that's a very interesting question. I mean, how did um, Hunter Biden get paid $3.5 million from the mayor of Ukraine. That's a very interesting point. What does he know about energy commissions? Mr. President! Mr. President, will you stop interrupting? I mean, uh, you know, that's a lie. Fake. Lies. All lies. <laughs> he just kept interrupting, babbling, talking shit about uh, Joe Biden's son. I don't remember the name of his son. I think his son's name was Hunter. Is Hunter? He has like several sons, but anyways, whatever. He, he's talking about Joe Biden's son, <laughs> questioning why he got paid, which is a good question. Like apparently Joe Biden's son got a $3.5 million payout from the mayor of Ukraine on some energy commission type deal. Hey. There's something awfully squooey going on around here. Uh, nepotism, bureaucracy, abuse of power. What is some dummy fucking wet blanket son of a fucking vice president know about energy commission in Ukraine? <laughs> and Trump kept bringing it up. Mr. President! Mr. President, will you stop interjecting? Actually, no, that's a very good question, though. I mean, when you think about it, it's a very good question. I mean, how did he get paid $3.5 million for doing what? Very good question, actually. <laughs> Trump is entertaining as fuck. He is entertaining as fuck. He's a joy to watch. <laughs> I mean... I don't, you know, I'm nonpartisan. I don't, well, first of all, I'm a Canadian, <laughs> but I'm also nonpartisan in general in any political spectrum. 
you could call me I I don't like labels of any sort because well actually I I, I really don't know. I just kind of go by gut and what's right and what's wrong. And I believe that there's always room for some social awareness and some social accommodation in terms of governing a society. But I also believe in the realities of economics and what is needed in order for business and society to thrive. That's very important as well, you know. Um, and that usually comes at the tightening down on social um, programs and social reforms. It takes accountability. And it's a, it's a very interesting exchange because we, I believe, do have a duty to look out for our fellow uh, man, to look out for our fellow human being, but not at the cost of an overall societal benefit. Not at, not at the cost of society, right? So these are some balancing acts that, you know, as an individual citizen, aren't always easy. And it don't make it any easier when you got these pundits and these political people and these so-called leaders squawking, bitching, fighting, bellyaching at each other, you know, talking over each other, blah, 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 blah. Like, it, it was ridiculous, you know. They called it a debate, but it was just like a childish argument. Trump talking over, talking over Joe Biden. Joe Biden talking over Trump. At one point... uh Joe Biden goes, would you shut up, man? Man, would you shut up? He goes, man, would you shut up? That's how he addressed the president. You know what I mean? That's the level of uh, degeneracy that the thing degenerated into. Would you shut up, man? Actually, no, I will not shut up. How come his son got point, paid $3.5 million from the mayor of Ukraine? That doesn't make any sense. That's a very good question. Okay? Very good question. Okay? How come his son got paid uh, $3.5 million? Energy Commission. Mayor of uh, Ukraine. That's a very good question, actually. Okay? Drink plenty of bleach. Get plenty of sunshine. You're going to be fine. Chinese flu, Chinese plague, fake news. <laughs> And what I took away from that debate was basically, yo, if you are into politics, I think this whole coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic situation has opened our eyes to the basic deficiencies in leadership, the bureaucracy, the high-handed manner in which a lot of our leaders strut, ab strut about and proclaim to know this and proclaim to know that when they really don't know nothing. They're mere mortals. They're everyday people. And, you know, they get themselves elevated to this position of they know something, they know, when they don't know dick. They don't know diddly squat. And uh, 
I didn't see any particular reason to believe any of them. You know, Trump said his thing. Biden said his thing. There was no particular reason to believe either of them. It's really going to come down to, I think, people's self-interest. That's what's going to happen. They're going to have to vote their self-interest, which is basically how you vote anyway. But it, no, there was no clear coup d'etat. There was no clear winner. It was just a... It was just like a televised fucking cat fight. <laughs> they just kind of went at it. And cat fight. Though I will say, hey, I don't side with Trump. I don't like, I don't side with any politician. In my opinion, Trump is the better vote because economy has to get back up and running. And he rebutted a lot of Joe Biden's remarks on the handling of uh, COVID-19. You know, he goes, actually, Joe, if you recall, I shut the borders to China. You guys called me a racist. You called me prejudiced, and I saved thousands of lives, thousands of lives. It's actually true. I remember when um, the whole thing sort of began, when the whole COVID-19 coronavirus narrative began this past January. I remember people were talking about it. There's this, there's this flu virus coming out of Wuhan province or the city of or the province of Wuhan in China. People were talking about it like, what? what is this? And then President Trump shut down travel between, international travel between China. And I remember the whole Democratic Party in the United States, they were calling him a racist, a prejudiced, uh, war measure enacting president, a fucking fascist. They're calling them all this stuff. And they're like, you know, dancing around in Chinatown, holding hands and, you know, making belief that it's, oh, it's just a goofy situation. It's no big deal. There's no, there's, there's nothing to worry about. And it turned out it was a bigger deal than they had known at that time. So, you know, he did step up to the plate in terms of the coronavirus, COVID-19, you know, he did his presidential duty for Americans. And the economy there allegedly is at the best that it had ever been. It had been at the best that it had been in recent years until the coronavirus, COVID-19. And it's obvious that however this virus began, it's being used as a politicizing weapon to disrupt global economy so just just on the basis of getting back to normalcy i would say trump is the better vote because you know he's trying to limit the uh the anxiety the panic he's trying to get the people back working again and I mean, personally, the more government control you have, they'll never let go. 
they won't. You know, like I'm not anti-mask. I'm not totally against measures of precaution in regards to COVID-19. But they got their hooks sunk in us. And the more they can keep us scared to death, the more they can control us. And it's obvious. The numbers are inflated. The situation isn't as nearly problematic as they're making it. It's been overinflated in order to control, to control us. That's obvious. So just on the grounds of common sense and what's best for people in general, small business owners, the economy, the mental welfare of people being able to go out and socialize, in the name of normalcy, (laughs) I would say Trump is the better vote if you're an American though I'm not gonna lie he's unpalatable at times he reeks of being a complete narcissist and a complete asshole (laughs) but he's entertaining as hell fake news okay Chinese flu drink plenty of bleach get plenty of sunlight you're gonna be fine okay how's my hair (laughs) yes so that's you know Part of the times that we're living in, folks. You know, presidential elections, 2020. We shall see what goes forward. They're talking about, like, perhaps, I mean, this is too early to tell, but they're they're talking about perhaps not even continuing with the rest of them because this one was such a debacle. All they did was just natter and babble over each other. It's like, what's the point of having another one? <laughs> but hey. All right, folks, uh, I'm going to wrap it up here on this last interesting article. Just a little side tangent. I don't know if you can hear this, but there's like somebody outside with a wind blower blowing leaves around on the windiest day of the year, mind you. It's like the trees are blowing left, right, and center. It's like, get a rake, you fucking retard. I don't know why people choose to do things the hard way. I'd much rather use a rake than to hear the sound of some loud, obnoxious machinery fucking penetrating my eardrum. The guy's been fucking on and off all day with his fucking windblower. It's driving me absolutely fucking bonkers. Anyways, folks. Here he goes again. I don't know if you guys can hear this. I hate the sound of electrical equipment, engines, mechanical bumblings and blatherings. I hate it. It's like the sound of pure anxiety. And if you go, if I, I looked out the window a couple times to see what he's doing, it's absolutely re- retarded. It's like, I don't understand why you wouldn't just get a rake and save everybody the headache of your stupidity. It's not even doing it any faster than a rake would. And to use a rake literally takes no effort. A child could rake. A child rakes all the time. Usually children use a rake to rake up leaves to jump in a pile. It's the it's like the least it it's it's the least effort you can possibly make in the working world is to rake up leaves. Like what are the it's easier than sweeping. If you've ever swept the floor, sometimes there's like larger pieces of dust and the dust gets up in your face and then you gotta 
You got to scoop down and sweep it up with a dustpan. Raking is literally the easiest job you could possibly do. Yet this idiot has to use a fucking leaf blower. I want to go outside and beat him over the head with a fucking shovel. <laughs> no, I don't. But I would like to have my own studio someday. That's the risk you run whenever you make a podcast. There's always some background noise fucking pissing you off. <sighs> Let's see if he can shut up for a few minutes. I can do this fucking last article. This is from globalnews.ca. Police bust scheme to wash and sell 300,000 used condoms in Vietnam. Ew. A factory owner is looking for some legal protection in Vietnam, where police say they busted a scheme to resell more than 300,000 used condoms. 300,000 used condoms. A local resident gave police the tip, just the tip, the tip that led to their big bust on Saturday. Inspectors raided a factory outside Ho Chi Minh City. Ho Chi Minh is son of a bitch. Ho Chi Minh is son of a bitch. It's got that seven year itch. Sound off. One, two, break it on down. How tall are you, boy? Bullshit. I didn't know they can stack shit that high. Where are you from, Texas? Ain't nothing but steers and queers coming out of Texas, so I guess that about narrows it down. You like sucking dick? Bullshit, I bet you can suck a golf ball through a garden hose. You eye-fucking me, boy! Full metal jacket. Private Pile, you are one disgusting, despicable lump of shit. Holy fuck. Jesus H. Christ. Sorry, Christ. Sorry, God. All right. A local resident gave the police the tip that led to their big bust on Saturday. Inspectors raided a factory outside Ho Chi Minh City and caught factory workers (laughs) packing the previously loved condoms. (laughs) Oh, God. Is that how you describe used condoms? Previously loved? Uh, They caught the workers packing the previously loved condoms (laughs) for sale. The state-owned Tuo Tree newspaper reported. However the fuck you say that. The factory owner claimed she bought the condoms off a man who has not yet been identified, according to reports. It's unclear how one man might obtain more than 300,000 used condoms. However, the factory received a monthly input from that one provider. Tuo Tree reported. Footage broadcast by Vietnam Television, a state-owned news station, shows large bags of condoms scattered throughout a warehouse in the southern province of Binh Duong. <laughs> Binh Duong done that. Ugh. Authorities say the bags of condoms weighed over 360,000 kilograms, much of that being sperm, I would assume which suggests there may be as many as 345,000 condoms in the bunch. (sighs) Factory workers boiled the condoms, then dried them and reshaped them with a wooden penis, a woman detained at the factory told police. (laughs) Imagine if that was like your work utensil. 
Don't forget to bring your wooden penis in for condom reshaping, or you will be sent home with no pay. <laughs> it's unclear how long the operations has been going on, or how many used condoms have been resold. Most condoms are made from the... <clears throat> Most condoms are made from thin latex. And there's all these fucking funny pictures of like, you know, condoms on a uh, clothesline and stuff like that. I'll try to post a couple of them. It's fucking hilarious. Multicolored condoms on a clothesline. You know, most condoms are made from thin latex and are not meant to be reused due to risk of breakage. Well, who... Hey, everybody's been guilty of that. Turn over, honey. Round two. Condom failures can lead to the spread of sexual transmitted diseases or unwanted pregnancy. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention explicitly warned people not to wash or reuse condoms back in 2018. You'd think they would have done that back in fucking 1918. Who the hell would reuse a condom? We say it because people do it, <laughs> the CDC tweeted. Use a fresh one for each sex act. Duh. Vietnamese police say their investigation is ongoing. It's unclear when they will wrap it up. <laughs> so yeah, it's an ongoing investigation into where these used condoms came from. And how long it's been going on. Isn't that pure evil that somebody would put profit over basic decency and the welfare of others? That's potentially like at the at the moment they have like 300,000 known of used condoms. They seized Something like 300,000 used condoms. That's like 300,000 potential lives ruined by some disgusting, diabolical, godless person that would put that profit over basic decency. <laughs> so, but a part of me also feels like this is uh, fake news witch hunt it's almost actually well if you look at you know the trajectory of humankind it's amazing what most people will do for a buck you know you gotta fucking sell your used condoms just to turn a lousy buck in this godforsaken economy you know desperation in the covid19 era you know a little DIY do-it-yourself business, you know? Save your own used condoms for resale. <laughs> Disgusting. Anyways, folks, it's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent September 30th in the year of our Lord, 2020. You know, presidential debate 2020. Use condoms in Vietnam. What is this world coming to? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com, you know? Follow me on iTunes, follow me on Spotify, follow me on YouTube. Check my website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. And if you are enjoying the show, please help my black ass out. Share me with a friend. Till next time, folks. You live it, you love it, 
you realize it. A height. Peace.